1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologos. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show that truly does protect your money, your family, and done so with a, a spirit that is so philanthropic. This is why I love being here every single Sunday with Ray Lance. And it's always a great pleasure. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Phil. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you again for listening to Money Wise. And welcome to you this morning, Peter. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good, good morning, morning, Peter. G U Y Z, the money guys. Money guys. Or as in under the guise of money, we could be talking. Under the guise of money. That's good, too. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to Money Wise. We're on WBSM, 1420 AM, every Sunday morning. And our mission is very simple. We want to show you some things that you might learn that will help you protect your family and protect your money. And hopefully some of the things that we talk about every week are important to you as well. We get a lot of positive comments. We are located at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. The construction is almost finished. Mm And you can Bite reach your us. tongue. <laughs> well, I just read, for example, uh, they've now opened all the lanes on the Braga Bridge, and I didn't realize that it's been a 15-year project. It's incredible. I, I had no idea it was that long. And before that, there was only about a year or two break before they were working on it before then, because I remember when I was <laughs> in high school, they were working on it. So for basically 20-plus years, they've been working on it other than a short break. That's almost a career, somebody's career. Yeah, it is. Young men have grown old watching the bridge being fixed. Right, Pete? <laughs> you saying I'm old now? <laughs> Do you know what George Washington said? This is a quote that I, I don't even have to read. Do you know what George Washington said when he stepped down from the presidency? What? He said, I have grown old in your service, and now I grow quite blind. It's mm. an actual quote from George Washington. How about yeah. that, Pete? That's wonderful. You keep smacking <laughs> me on the back. <laughs> Well, I actually want to give you a test this morning, ladies and gentlemen. A pop quiz? So, oh, boy. who said this? What we learn from history is that people don't learn from history. So, was it Donald Trump? <laughs> was it Hillary Clinton? Or was it Warren Buffett? One more time. What we learn from history is that people don't learn from history. I don't know. That's... So the answers are Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, or Warren Buffett. I'd say Warren. I don't know. Yes, it was Warren Buffett. Because we're not going to get political on this show, <laughs> are we, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> we're just talking before the show, uh, ladies and gentlemen, about what a wonderful source of cannon fodder we have with this political election. And boy, won't we be glad when it's over. Oh, boy. Right, Pete? I will be extremely glad. Yes, we will. <laughs> well, today we're going to be talking about something very important. We're going to be talking about annuities. And hopefully we're going to teach you everything you might ever have wanted to know about annuities. And in real simple terms, an annuity is nothing more than a way to make money and particularly to set up a stream of income because that's what we all need in retirement. We need a source of income. And we might have a pension if we're fortunate enough to have worked for a company or a public uh, operation, a government that might have a pension. There aren't many traditional pensions left anymore in the country. 
And then we might have Social Security. And I always encourage people to get proper advice about Social Security because too many people simply make the wrong decisions about when they should collect, how they should collect, are they entitled to a spousal benefit, things of that nature. That's a, a very big one. Anybody out there who is not collecting Social Security yet but is coming up to that time where they are eligible, uh, please give the office a call and we'll be happy to review it for you and give you your options. And uh, if there's any way to defer you collecting Social Security, it makes a huge difference, uh, even by four years. But we also do a lot of work with annuities, don't we, Pete? And you have with um, the teacher... Uh, occupation, because a lot of people who work as a teacher will also have a separate account that they contribute money to every week, which is like a 403B plan, and they're putting aside extra money so that they can have an income benefit later on. If If you're a teacher or basically work anywhere where you have the option, the ability to set money aside out of your paycheck every week, uh, absolutely take advantage of that and contribute as much as you can. Uh, my wife has done that for a few years with Hasbro now, and uh, she asked me recently, you know, hey, should I contribute a little bit less every week? And I said, absolutely not. We're already um, used to the amount that you get home every week, so continue contributing, and which is basically the maximum amount. And in just a few years, it has built up uh, a decent amount, and that will be there for her and for us uh, in retirement. Yep, I totally agree with that. And by the way, don't ever turn away free money. If you're working for a place that has a 401k plan, any kind of a retirement plan, and if they provide a match of any kind, let's say it's a 6% match, well, if you don't put aside at least 6% of your own pay so that you can get the maximum max, maximum match, say that three times. Maximum match. (laughs) Then you're actually just throwing away money. So don't throw away free money. Uh, don't leave free money on the table. And then, of course, we'd like to see people put aside even more money earlier. Mm-hmm. So let me give you a couple of interesting statistics, ladies and gentlemen. Approximately 4 in 10 baby boomers have nothing saved for retirement. That's 40%. And just 69% of baby boomers who are still working have put aside any money for retirement. So most people simply don't. And 36% of all baby boomers, and that's more than a third, plan to rely upon Social Security as their primary source of income. Not so, good. No. No, it's not. Not good at all. And so, the age of the pension is either gone or going away. So if you uh, work for someplace that has a pension, then then consider yourself one of the very lucky few and, and uh, appreciate that. But... Absolutely. Give us a call and and talk about your options. We actually have a friend whose um, wife works for a company and they're offering pension buyouts, which is something else that we can take a look at and and give you advice as to whether that's a good option for you. Uh, There was a show that we did a couple months ago, I believe, on pension buyouts. We did, and we're going to be talking about that subject again fairly soon because there are companies right now in the greater New Bedford area that have just... in the past couple of weeks, offered early pension buyouts or we want to give you your pension money now because we're not going to put any more money into a pension plan. And there are all kinds of interesting choices you can make when you do that. The worst thing you can do is simply take it now as a lump sum and pay taxes on it because now you've destroyed the tax-deferred nature of this. 
But give us a call at 508-998-8858, and we're happy to sit down with you at no cost, no obligation, and talk to you about that. By the way, more than a third of baby boomers are planning to work past the age of 70. So as a country, we don't prepare enough. We think we'll live on Social Security, but we're not. So today we want to talk about annuities, Pete, because annuities are really important for a lot of people. Uh, they tend to be uh, conservative. They tend to be safe. And an annuity is really just a contract with an insurance company. And when we say that, it means that you give money to an insurance company and they set up a contract with you where you're going to get money over a period of time or it's going to grow tax deferred for you. Uh, so there are many different ways to look at annuities. Let's begin by saying that there are two basic kinds of annuities. One is called an immediate annuity and the other is called a deferred annuity. There's really only two types. Then there's a lot of subtypes beyond that. So let's talk about immediate annuities first. Um, what do you know about immediate annuities that you could share, Peter? Uh, typically, they are, they're not for everyone. They're really for someone who is definitely in retirement and is looking to possibly uh, spend down uh, their, the value of, of their total assets in order to possibly qualify for uh, Medicaid and nursing home benefits. Okay, and so sometimes they're used for Medicaid planning, but sometimes they're used simply because you want to make sure that you're going to have a regular, steady check coming in every single month. You can have it automatically uh, deposited to your checking account, for example, and you can give a lump sum of money to an insurance company, and you can say, I want an income stream for the rest of my life, or I want it for a 10-year term certain or for the rest of my life. So I want to know that if I die early, I'm going to get money back or my family's going to get money back. But I also want to make sure that I'm never going to outlive my money. And they will tell you exactly how much you can, you can get uh, per month when you give them a lump sum. Uh, we can do quotations on that. And that's for people who want to know exactly what they're going to get. But you're right in another sense, Pete. Sometimes annuities are used to help people who have a family member going into a nursing home and you want to protect assets. Well, there is that use for it too, as you just mentioned. Um, however, if you need income immediately and you want to have that start immediately, then yes, you would go with a SPIA uh, or an immediate annuity. Uh, the, there's other options also now available with uh, what's called income riders on the deferred annuities that have sort of the same option but have the potential for a greater gain within the annuity. Well, let's talk about income riders in just a few minutes, but I want to focus uh, for just a moment on the subject of um, the immediate annuity, and a SPIA, S-P-I-A, stands for Single Premium Immediate Annuity. That's an important definition. So a lot of the things that... Um, Tenney does, Attorney Tenney Lance at Lance Law, Inc., is she works with people who have to go into a nursing home. And the great concern, especially if it's a couple, is how can you preserve as much money as possible for the person who's at home? They call that the community spouse. So let's say a husband has to go to a nursing home and his wife is left at home. I'm not going to know the exact numbers. You should talk to Attorney Tenney Lance for that. But 
I do know that it's around $121,000, $122,000 that the at-home spouse gets to keep uh, wherever you want to have it. You can have it in a bank account, in an annuity, in stocks. You can also prepay certain things like funeral expenses. But what do you do if you have extra money? Well, if you don't do something with the extra money, that extra money is going to go to the nursing home at roughly ten dollars to $12,000 per month. It's a very high cost. And so sometimes we'll take the extra money, and that extra money will go into a SPIA instead, a single premium immediate annuity. And let's say that there was the $122,000 that the wife would get to keep at home, but there's an extra $100,000 that might be in the husband's name in an account. If the wife at home doesn't do something to protect that money, it will get spent down for the nursing home. So what can be done is you can take that extra $100,000 and you can put it into a SPIA, Single Premium Immediate Annuity. Now it's considered an income source for the spouse who's at home. It's no longer an asset that has to get spent down. So that's a great example of when you might want to use an immediate annuity. There's other uh, reasons for a single premium immediate annuity also, uh, or SPIA, but those are the most common ones for sure. And we're all living longer, so we want to make sure that our money is going to last as long as we do. Um, so let's switch briefly from immediate annuities and talk about the more popular kind of annuities that are used, deferred annuities. I guess I should mention also that immediate annuities don't pay a very high rate of interest today. And they're based upon what somebody's life expectancy is. And they're not for everyone, absolutely. It really depends on your uh, situation. Uh, every single client that I see, every single client that you see is a totally different case than the next. It's uh, it's just a bunch of puzzle pieces that you have to put together for everybody's individual retirement plan. Mm -hmm. But we're all living longer these days, too. Uh, for example, I don't know if you know this or not, but half of all single 65-year-old males will live to be 85 years of age. That's one half. Mm -hmm. And if you're a female and single, um, half of, of that age group will live to be age 88. Women live longer mm -hmm. than men. I notice you don't give any stats on men 65 married. Well, they tend to die very young. <laughs> Why? Because, because they, they want, want to. to. <laughs> well, you guys are both going to get smacks from your wives when you get home, but it's actually proven that men who are married live longer, and yes, probably because the wives yell at them to go to the doctor. <laughs> the <laughs> men are usually stubborn and say, I'm fine, I'll be fine. And <laughs> Well, actually, that's that's really true. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can say that jokingly, but yeah, it is yeah. true. Women will yeah. make sure that uh, men are better taken care mm -hmm. of. Men tend not to take care of themselves, and they need somebody to help them. We're superhuman. They, it starts out when they're babies. They need to be taken care of by a woman. <laughs> and it happens when they're older, too, but it's true. So... Uh, let's talk about deferred annuities, Pete, because uh, deferred annuities are, are very, very important. Um, and deferred annuities tend to break down in separate, separate categories. It could be a variable annuity. It could be a fixed annuity. It could be an indexed annuity. Yeah, there's really those three main kind, and uh, I should mention that we'll start with the most conservative, which is the fixed annuity. Right. Uh, the indexed annuity is uh, something that has the potential for higher gains, uh, but you also will not lose any of your principal. 
And then there's the variable annuities, which uh, have the potential for even more growth, but you can also lose money inside of a variable annuity. Right. So let's go into a little bit more detail, because in addition to those three main types of annuities, fixed, indexed, and variables, uh, variable annuities, um, they all have some important tax characteristics. Number one, they're tax-deferred. What that means is if you put money into a fixed, an indexed, or a variable annuity, all the income that's being generated on those annuity contracts is tax-deferred. So it's a great way to invest. It's a better way to invest, for example, than, um, oh, bank accounts. Number one, the interest rate's typically going to be higher. Number two, you're not going to pay income tax while the money is accumulating. You won't pay any income tax until you pull money back out again. So if you had two identical accounts, let's say they were even paying the same interest rate, let's say you had $50,000 in the bank and $50,000 into a fixed annuity, and they happened to be paying exactly the same interest rate. Let's say it was 2%. Of course, banks aren't paying 2%, but let's just make that assumption. You're still going to make more money on the annuity contract than you will on the bank account because you're not paying income taxes on it. The bank account money... Um, you're going to have to pay income taxes on the interest every year. Every year you're going to get a statement. You're going to have to file that with your taxes, and you're going to have to pay that. Um, but I should mention that both you and I, I know um, for sure you're even probably more conservative than I am, always tell people that they should leave a large amount of the, the um, money liquid in a bank account or something that they can access it. Uh, for emergency purposes, but should certainly not have all of their money, especially if they have a large amount, sitting in uh, CDs or regular bank accounts or money markets where you're really not even keeping up with inflation. Hmm. But let's just continue to focus for just a minute on the tax features of annuities because people don't understand this. You get money in an annuity contract, it's a tax-deferred annuity. The income grows faster because you're not paying taxes on it currently. Same amount of money, making the same amount of rate in a same interest rate in a bank account. Um, you have to pay income taxes on it. And we're going to come to qualified money versus non-qualified money in just a minute. But let's just forget IRAs and regular non-IRA accounts for a moment. We'll come back to that point. Let's just talk about some other tax features of annuities. So annuities are generally better for people who are, oh, late 40s and higher and, and older because this is true retirement money. This is money that you don't want to touch until you're at least 59 and a half. Why, do you know why that is, Pete? Because of the IRS tax code. Okay. So the IRS says that many of the tax features of an annuity contract are similar to an IRA account. So what it means real simply is you put money into an annuity contract that you're planning to use for retirement, you don't want to touch it until you're 59 and a half. If you take it out earlier than 59 and a half, you're going to pay income taxes on it, but you're also going to pay a penalty to the IRS, and it's a 10% penalty. So annuity contracts in general are intended for retirement, to put aside enough money to have a more comfortable retirement. And therefore, you don't want to touch it until you're 59 and a half. Once you're 59 and a half, then you can take money from the contract without any IRS penalty, right? Right. You can sort of think of um, an annuity 
as a better version of a CD in most cases. If you do not need the money anytime soon, usually the contract is anywhere from six to 12 years. So if you uh, don't need certain um, monies that you have for six to 12 years, you're going to more, more than likely do uh, a lot better with an annuity than a CD, but you're also not going to have to pay that income tax every single year like you would with a CD. So a couple of other quick rules uh, pertaining to taxes. Let's say you have an existing annuity contract that you did, and you did it maybe 10 years ago, and you're not 59 and a half years old yet, but you'd like to do something to put it into another contract. Well, you can do that. You can take the money and you can do what's called a 1035 exchange. 1035 refers to a tax code section. And it allows you to take one annuity contract that, say, has matured, it's reached its end date, and you can do an exchange for another one with no tax consequences. So you can move the money around if you need to, even though you're not yet 59 and a half. I think that's an important tax rule. So then what happens when you withdraw money from an annuity contract? And we're going to talk a little bit about IRAs versus non-IRAs, which we call a non-qualified contract. Qualified money, by the way, is IRAs, 401ks, 403bs. Roth IRAs. Yeah, it's called tax qualified because the uh, contract or the investment, whatever it's in, is regulated by the Internal Revenue Code. And so um, and it, let's leave aside Roths for just a minute because that's a whole special thing by itself. And those are set up, those are set up to um, basically offer an incentive either while you're contributing or while you are getting the, the uh, funds dispersed to you later on in life. Right. So the basic rules about IRAs and, and similar vehicles like 403Bs and 401Ks is you generally don't want to take any money out of that until you're 59 and a half. Because if you do, you pay a penalty to the IRS and you pay ordinary income tax. Um, so you can have money in an annuity contract that can be either qualified money, like an IRA, or it can be non-qualified money. In either, cases, in either case, you don't want to touch it until you're 59 and a half. That's the most important tax rule that everybody should remember. It's money for retirement. So let's come back to the general category of um, deferred annuity contracts for a minute, Pete, because it's such an important vehicle. Um, let's, let's pick on variable annuities first. Can we do that? Sure. So a variable annuity means basically that your principal can go high, but it can also go back down low again. Essentially, a variable annuity contract, you're invested in mutual funds. And so you've got different layers of fees and things to be concerned about. But mostly you have to be concerned because if the stock market goes up, that's great. Your variable annuity will go up. If the stock market goes down, your variable annuity will go down in value. Well, as I mentioned earlier, you do have the potential for higher gains, but you also have the potential for losses, um, you know, possibly some good substantial losses as well. Uh, I am of the very conservative mindset with my own investing, and I like to sort of have that belief with my clients as well. Ultimately, it's their decision, but 
I just don't like to lose money. Mm. And I certainly don't like to have my clients lose money. Mm. So I always recommend uh, not a variable annuity, but a fixed annuity. Of course, if you're younger, um, then a variable annuity might be right for you. It really depends on your own investment um, style and whether you're willing to take on the risk for the potential of higher gains. Um, I'll tell a quick, very quick story. I've been to Las Vegas about six times, uh, the first time with the Marine Corps and the other times for various insurance conferences. And of the six times I've gone, I've gambled twice. The first time with the Marine Corps, I put a quarter in the slot machine. I pulled it. I didn't win. I said, that's awesome. I gambled in Vegas. <laughs> the other time uh, was at one of the conferences. I had $20, and I put it in various slot machines. I went up about $60, and then when I got back down to $20, I said, eh, that's good. I gambled again. <laughs> so I just don't like to lose money, and that's that's my mindset. Oh, <laughs> well, That's funny. I'll tell you one of the quick story about um, money in general. This is uh, Gene Chatsky, who's a, a well-known commentator on financial topics. In money and in life, you are often your own worst enemy. You promise yourself you're going to diet. Then you eat not one or two French fries, but a whole plate. You decide to really commit to saving for retirement, only to wind up with a new pair of shoes in your closet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to be a little disciplined about savings. We're going to come back in just a couple minutes, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk a little bit more about variable annuities and why they're not as popular as they used to be. And then we're going to talk about what really matters, uh, indexed annuities and fixed annuities and how to have a better retirement. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Money Wise with the Money Guys. Welcome back, Peter. Hello, and good morning again, everyone. And it's good to see your shining face so early in the morning. It's been a lot of years since I have to had to look at it every single morning, so it's always a pleasure when I can see it once a week in the morning. Well, I think that you prepared me early on in life. He used to wake me up with, uh, which which, uh, record was it that you used to blast? Fanfare for a Common Man. Oh, my gosh. Ta-da. Oh, yeah. At full volume. Saturday mornings, you know, high school kids, they like to sleep in. If uh, any of you were in high school one day a long time ago, or if you had children in high school, they like to sleep in. He would not allow that. He would <laughs> blast this and this monster system. Uh, big kettle drums and big brass. <laughs> so would watch him bounce up and down on the bed. <laughs> he prepared me, and now my daughter wakes up sometimes as early as 4 or 4.30 like she did this morning. Oh, you know gosh. what? I'm going to get you a copy of that so that you can play that for your own children, Pete. I think you should do that. Put a, put a little boombox right inside the bedroom. I don't know how mom allowed you to do that, so I'll have to talk to Jen and, and see if she'll even consider it. Well, I think everybody has to start their morning with some rousing music. Or how about the Marine Corps hymn, Pete? Pete you can play the Marine Corps hymn in the morning. No, I think the cannons work pretty well. <laughs> You want to see somebody stand at attention real quick? Play the Marine Corps hymn in the morning for Peter. <laughs> right, Pete? <laughs> you have to. You have to stand at attention when this song is played. It's very important. I want to tell you one thing about Social Security. I want to tell you that Social Security is not a retirement savings plan. It's a social insurance plan. It's a contract that says, as a society, we will look out for you and your family when you can no longer work. And it was meant originally as a program for poor people. Specifically, it was passed in the 1930s 
because farmers would die early and their widows were left behind and they couldn't take care of the farm. They had to sell the farms. So Social Security was originally put in place to help take care of the widows, the women who survived the farmers who died early. Um, and it was meant to be a supplemental program. Since then, it's a program that many people rely upon as their main source of income. So we want to tell you some more ideas about annuities and why that can be something that you ought to consider. Before you go on to that, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but if anyone out there uh, worked and contributed to Social Security uh, and you are expecting to have Social Security benefits when you do retire, but you also worked for, uh, you know, a town, a state, uh, as a teacher, as a police officer, et cetera, and you are going to be receiving a pension, there is going to be a reduce, uh, a reduction in your Social Security benefits. And I can calculate that for you and tell you exactly what you're going to receive um, from Social Security when you do retire and go to collect that because it is going to be reduced because of your pension. It's uh, it's a pension offset. And I'm um, happy to calculate that for you, so give me a call. And, you know, there's only a handful of states in this country that still have the windfall elimination provision or the government pension offset. It's called the WEP or the GPO. And those are things which basically say to a teacher or a government worker, Well, we're sorry that you paid into Social Security, but because you also get a government pension, we're going to go through this formula and calculate, and you're going to get a reduction in your normal Social Security amount. So most states in this country do not have this offset. Massachusetts does. And uh, periodically, we'll actually get the reference and talk about it more specifically when we do a show on Social Security. There are, there are bills periodically pending in Massachusetts to eliminate this offset. And if that passes, and you ought to be all concerned about it if you're in that category, it means that, you know, if you paid into Social Security, why can't you get your Social Security back out? Right. And there's an unfairness aspect to that. And that's the, um, that's the group of uh, people that I see the most who have paid into both Social Security and into a pension plan or teachers. Uh, I did a calculation for one, I don't know, a week or two ago, and his Social Security benefit was supposed to be around $1,200 a month, and it was reduced by $400 a month because wow. of his uh, pension. pension. I think Social Security ought to be uh, you know, something that you could pass on when you die to your loved ones. You earned it. Why mm. not? Well, I know it's that's not an law. interesting thought. Maybe if I know how that could happen, I know how they could do that. If you had the option in your Social Security to take a little less and that money would go into a life insurance program, then there would be the ability to fund that and to pay for that. Mm-hmm. So that might be an interesting option. But um, the only reason that we have the pension offsets against government uh, pensions and teacher pensions is because we have legislation in Massachusetts that uh, creates that offset. Life insurance, people think of it as boring and don't want to really think about it at all because they're thinking of mortality and everything else. But I've said it before, I still think that life insurance is the greatest financial tool that you can you know, provide for your family. Mm-hmm. And by the way, visit us at uh, usawealthgroup.com because we've got a lot of good information on our website. You can listen to one of our radio shows. 
Uh, we don't post them all, but the most recent ones we will put on our website. So if you don't get a chance to listen to this whole show and you'd like to know more, um, look it up on the website, mm -hmm. w, uh, US, usawealthgroup.com. Or give us a call, better yet, make an appointment. There's so many things that we can show you. Um, we like to tell people that we can always show you how to make more money, how to save more money, how to have a better retirement. Just yeah. give us a call. This can. radio show has been going on for, what, five, six years now at this it's, point? It's uh, about five years. And more and more and more people were getting calls from, say, that they listen to the radio show. Here's a quotation from Susie Orman. The way to build your savings is by spending less each month. And you have to have a little discipline. And this one appeals to my dietary sense from Susie Orman. People have got to learn. If they don't have cookies in the cookie jar, they can't eat cookies. <laughs> so what's your favorite cookie? Well, it used to be Oreos. It's but not? No, I, I, I tell you why I don't like Oreos, because Oreos are no longer manufactured in the United States. And that bothers me. Yeah. Where are they manufactured? Mexico. Nabisco, Nabisco Company, which makes all kinds of products that we eat, was acquired some years ago by a Mexican conglomerate. A very yeah. wealthy Mexican conglomerate owns Nabisco. And I mentioned this before, about six months ago on the radio, um, there was a story in the paper that Nabisco closed the main Oreo manufacturing plant in Illinois and moved the entire operation to Mexico. And they yeah. laid off 600 people. And that made me angry. So yeah. I don't like to eat Oreos any more than I have to. So what, what is I like, now your favorite? I like ginger snaps because hmm. they settle your stomach. They taste good. I like to dunk them in milk. Nice. Ginger snaps, yeah. They also make little minor Frisbees I can throw at my cat. <laughs> The only time we have ginger snaps is my wife puts them into a crock pot for a uh, beef stew, and they make a, really? the beef stew taste wonderful. Really? That's that's neat. I did not know that about Oreos. That is a yeah. surprise, and I'm shocked because Oreos have been your favorite for as long as I've known. No, I'm politically, I'm against Oreos <laughs> these days. And they've just celebrated, what, a hundred and some odd years of... Yeah. I don't mind the fact that Nabisco was acquired by a Mexican company. I mean, there's a lot of capital that moves around the world. I do mind the fact that they closed a production plant and laid off 600 American workers. Of course. Absolutely. That bothers me. Yes, absolutely. So I'll tell you one. We weren't going to talk about young cats, but I have a young <laughs> – Phil's grimacing here wondering what I'm going to say next. <laughs> so we won't talk about young cats. They've been too much in the news lately. But I have a young cat at home. It's a little uh, white Siamese kitty. We'll call her a kitty. And last night I'm eating supper, and she jumped right up on the table and drops a little catnip mouse right beside my plate. <laughs> it really kind of freaked me out. Mm -hmm. So that's all we're going to say on that subject. Pete, let's come back and talk about annuities. Pete's, Pete's passing out of me here. Listen, I'm not going to say anything inappropriate on the radio. I don't do that. Okay, let's uh, continue on. <laughs> All right, let's get Here's back to our serious. a glass of milk and Oreos, Pete. <laughs> let's get back to our serious side. Let's let's come back to variable annuities. Um, as a general proposition, we don't recommend variable annuities because 
I don't like to suggest something where people could lose money and you can potentially lose money in a variable annuity. There are many better options today, um, and that's a fixed uh, annuity or a fixed indexed annuity. In a variable annuity, you are essentially in the stock market. And although historically variable annuities in the stock market do very well, uh, nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody can foresee certain events that might happen. Uh, you know, even earthquakes can change economies. So we don't typically recommend them. If a client really wants one, then uh, you know that's their decision ultimately. But uh, no, we don't like to see anybody lose any money. Mm-hmm. Well, but having said that, I do want to come back and say that um, in 2013, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Ben Bernanke, had to reveal publicly all of his investment holdings. And this is something everybody needs to know. And uh, it turns out that his two largest investments were two separate annuity contracts. And he had one in a variable annuity contract, and he had one in a fixed annuity contract. But I found it really interesting that one of the smartest men in the country, Mm -hmm. the chairman of the Federal Reserve, chose to put most of his money inside of annuity contracts which is what we're talking about today. Well, and we were starting to move on from variable annuities and getting back to our more serious side. And the uh, fixed indexed annuity is the one that is in the middle. Uh, we said fixed and then fixed indexed and then variable. Fixed indexed is something that uh, we've been recommending and we have seen some very positive results over the past uh, 10, 12, 13 years at least. And what that is, is it has a lot of the benefits of a variable annuity in terms of you can see some uh, potentially higher gains, but there's also a floor, and that floor is zero. So there's moments where if the stock market is doing poorly, you may not earn anything, but you're not going to lose a nickel of your principal. Well, indexed annuities and fixed annuities are principal protected, basically. You can't lose principal. They don't go down. Let me just say a couple of quick words about fixed annuities. They're not as popular today as they were, oh, half a dozen years ago or more, because at that point, the fixed rates in this country were reasonable, so you could get a reasonable return. Three and a half, four, four and a half and inside of the fixed account. Now that fixed account is much, much lower. Um and you don't have the potential for gain because there's no tie to the stock market. So fixed annuities really are not a good option for most anyone these days. So let's talk about um, both fixed annuities and fixed indexed annuities and tell you that here are the main features of them. Number one, your principal is protected. Your principal doesn't go down. Number two, yes, there are fees that you have to pay with any annuity contract. So if you have money in a regular mutual fund, for example, uh, let's say it's in a brokerage account, you may have brokerage account fees, you will have separate mutual fund fees. Uh, In a similar fashion, the companies that sell the annuities, they have to make money also, so they have fees. There are some companies that we work with which will have no fees at all. Uh, Their returns tend to be a little bit lower. So let's talk about some of the features that you might find. First of all is the term. If you're going to get any kind of a decent return on an annuity contract today, it's going to be typically anywhere from 7 to 10 to 12 years in length. And that bothers people sometimes. And I tell them, don't let it bother you because you always have the right to take money out. So let's talk about withdrawal rights. Virtually every 
annuity contract in the company in the country says you can take out 10% a year with no surrender charge and no penalty. Uh, do remember that you don't want to do that unless you're 59 and a half because of the tax rules. But let's say you're 60 years or older and you want to withdraw money from your annuity account. account you can take out, in most cases, 10% a year with no surrender charge. Or if it happens to be an IRA that's invested in the annuity contract, you can take out whatever the amount of your minimum distribution is that you have to take. Um, what happens if you want to take out more? You have a big emergency and you're in the fifth year of the annuity contract. Well, the first 10% you take out has no surrender charge. The next 10% you take out, there will be a surrender charge. And that goes down every year. Sometimes it's called a, a penalty, but it's, it's called a surrender charge by uh, the company. And it declines every year. And it goes down every year. There are some companies that we work with that will say, well, you can take out 10% a year, but if you didn't take out 10% one year, then the next year, if you want to, you can take out 20%. Mm -hmm. Usually, they don't let you go up higher than that. The other thing you can do, which is really important, is you can control the timing of the money. And the annuity contract issuance date, let's say it's June 30th is your contract date, your year runs from June 30th to June 30th. So let's say somebody comes into my office on May 1st and they say, I need to take out 20%. I've got some special purpose I want for this. We'll say, well, you know what? You can take out 10% now between now and June 30th. And then July 1st, you can take out another 10%. So you can have access to your money uh, more quickly than you realize by timing the date that you take it out. And that's rare when somebody needs to do that because, you know, I normally talk to somebody and make sure that they are not going to need to take out what we put in. Uh, obviously, things can change, and I always recommend a reserve in bank accounts so if an emergency comes up, they have enough to take care of that. But still, sometimes things happen, and they need to. It's rare, but uh, it does happen. And by the way, most annuity contracts, um, let's say somebody has an annuity contract for 10 years and they die five years into the contract, most annuity contracts will not charge a penalty when the person dies, mm -hmm. uh, very rarely. And there's also uh, another reason for that uh, surrender um, period, and that is that a lot of annuity contracts uh, offer a bonus up front. Um, some of them are as high as 10%. So if you, you know, put $100,000 in, you get 10% immediately tacked on. So instantly your account is at 110000 So let's talk about some of those upfront kind of features of annuity contracts also, such as bonuses. And I'd like to remind everybody that you're listening to USA Wealth Group uh, uh, presenting MoneyWise every Sunday morning. We're located at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. You can give us a call at 508-998-8858. We have so much information we're happy to provide, whether it's a baby boomer's guide to Social Security or information on Medicare or information on annuity contracts. Uh, we do charts and graphs, and we're happy to meet with you anytime and find out if it might be appropriate and suitable for you to take some of your funds and put it into an annuity contract. So let's talk about bonuses for a minute. Um, bonuses are always nice because it can jumpstart the value you're going to get on your contract. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, there are some companies. Um, I don't think we'll talk about names of companies. Do you, Pete? No, no, not good to mention names of companies or specific uh, products or anything. So um, one contract that we work with, one company we work with, has a 10% bonus, and you can sign up for that contract if you're up to the age of 76. Um, if you are up to the age of 84, 0 to 84, uh, you can get a bonus up to uh, 6%. Um, there's another nationally known company that advertises a lot on the radio with Peyton Manning and a few other people, country music singers, and um, they're on your side sometimes. Uh, they'll pay bonuses of 7% for some of their contracts. What do you think, Pete? I didn't mention the name. Did I, did I mention the name? I swear to God, you're maddening sometimes. It's like the time that I told you not to mention specific uh auto insurers and you said something about a lizard <laughs> it just <laughs> but it wasn't really a lizard anyway was it, Pete? <laughs> i mean a geico is not a lizard <laughs> i love it <laughs> but um well i mean we just have to be fair so some companies will offer bonuses and that can be a good thing usually you'll have a 10 or 12 year term when you do that but it can kickstart then let's talk about the indexed annuities. Why do we call it an indexed annuity, Pete? Uh, because it is tied, at least not the fixed part of the um, annuity, because you can still put uh, some or all of the uh, money into the fixed account in a fixed indexed annuity. However, that's generally not recommended because the whole point of having it in an indexed annuity is to put it into the indexed accounts, mm -hmm. which are tied to the stock market. They're not in the stock market, but tied to the stock market. So if the market does very well, the annuity can do very well. Of course, there is a cap in um, most situations, not all, uh, where if the stock market does 20%, you may not earn that, but you will still have a very large uh, gain. Um, but again, if the stock market does poorly, it's not in the stock market. It's tied to the stock market, so you can't lose any right, of so your you principal. Can't, you can't lose principal, but if the index that you're connected to does well, then you're going to see a, a nice increase in the value of the contract. The index that we use a lot is the S&P 500 index because it has a 65-plus year history, mm -hmm. um, and the average has been probably uh, – close to 6% on some of these contracts. And I'm going to say a, a quick goodbye at this point to Peter because he has an engagement with his uh, three-year-old daughter. Oh, great. But thank you for being with us this morning, Pete. Yeah, it's only a couple of minutes I have to cut out early, but I have to go and get the pride and joy of my life right now. Oh. So enjoy the rest of your Sundays, everyone. Your Sunday, everyone. And I'll, I'll try to say nice things about you after you're gone, Pete. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Take care, Peter. I'll have to think of some family story I can tell about Peter when he's gone. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. <laughs> what we're starting to talk about, though, is the index itself. And um, we use the S&P 500 index a lot. It's an American index. It has a 65-year-plus history. Um, using an average over 30 years, you're probably looking at about a 6% return um, as a measurement tool. And even in the last 10 years, the returns have been closer to 8%. We don't mention company names because we can't, obviously. Mm 
but there are many other kinds of indices that you can tie to. You can tie into um, global indexes, a Schiller Barclays index. There are a lot of different kinds of indices that you can tie into. And Peter mentioned something about caps. Right. Most of the annuities that we work with have an uncapped strategy, which means if the index goes up 20%, you're going to get a 20% increase in your account. And we've actually had that happen in some cases. The other thing you can do with the indexed annuities is if the person who is the owner of the index contract dies, let's say it's an IRA account, you can collect the money, no penalty. You can do a spousal rollover to their spouse. Spouse. There, there are lots of things that you can do. So there are many, many advantages to annuities. Um, we can tell you that nobody has lost a nickel in their accounts over the years. Which is great. Because we're only working with fixed accounts. We're only working with uh, indexed accounts. They're safe. They're secure. Uh, they do nice returns. And it's a place that if you want more information, we're happy to provide it. Um, give us a call at 508-998-8858. You know, there are so many things we can tell you about retirement. Um, it's in your interest to do the most you can to not only protect your money, to get the best return you can, and to do a better job taking care of your family. And that's our mission. We want to show you how to protect your family first and foremost but also how to protect your money. So thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We look forward to being with you again next Sunday morning. 